The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You are listening to our season wrap-up episode. And I know we said on socials and in a previous episode that this episode would include us addressing some listener feedback. But when we recorded what you are going to hear after we finish talking about this... We talked for a really long time, you guys. We talked for so long. And it was a really beautiful conversation. And I just like couldn't get it short enough for us to actually have time to put in the part where we're answering these questions. But there was one comment that really sat with both of us. And so that one we are going to talk about up here at the front. And then we'll get into the like official episode that we recorded with the voice of our spoiler warning sarah sarwar so this is from um tiny lantern on instagram who said i'm like super here for what you're bringing to the hp fan world but advocating for cps in the wizarding world is straight up fucked youth protection is definitely an arm of colonial governments that mostly separates families i super agree that someone should have been taking better care of harry but like the ministry they would do a terrible job and tiny lantern you are correct and we did a bad job in that discussion i think What I feel like we were doing was really irresponsibly saying CPS as basically like what we wanted was some sort of intervention and we were using CPS as like the word for that intervention when in reality what CPS looks like is like absolutely not what that intervention would be like what we would want it to look like um and i don't know if we were like i don't know thinking about like what cps should be as opposed to what it is but it it was wrong yeah no uh it definitely was a poor word choice and a bit lazy on our part for like not explaining kind of like what we were envisioning some kind of like intervention on harry's behalf on his well-being and you're totally right cps is not any kind of standard to like you know hold up child advocacy in a lot of ways it is used to criminalize uh people of color and poor people to sort of criminalize people doing the best they can or kind of like in these situations and it's definitely used as more of a threat and I think a way to kind of punish people of color and poor people 
in a way that's like not fair and is in fact like really fucked up and it was irresponsible of us to sort of had this shorthand when we really probably should have just kind of like explored that more and kind of maybe used different phrasing. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And that's not even to like get into how terrible the foster system is in this country and like how much abuse children suffer at the hands of the foster system. And like there, there is, there is so much wrong yeah, and and we don't have a model of what any sort of, like, child welfare advocacy would look like in the witching world because it doesn't exist. And so for us for us to have, have used the language of this, like, inherent, like, very, like, violent system that exists in the muggle world as, like, the term for what we wanted both for Harry and for Neville because we talked about it in relation to Neville too mm-hmm. it, it was it was it was lazy and and that makes a lot of sense and the fact that there's like kind of like not any kind of shorthand in the book to sort of be like what can be done with this we, we went sort of for like the easier answer or like the easier way to sort of describe our sort of anger and disgust and sadness about all of these, like Harry and Neville being so mm-hmm. abused. Yeah. Just because, just because the episode that's coming, that's coming up is like so long. I feel like we should stop here, but I'm, I'm going to have a stop here with the promise to not be lazy when it's time to talk about it again. So, uh, yeah, we just want to thank Tiny Lantern for bringing this to our attention. Like, please give us this kind of feedback. Or on this journey together, and if there's something you're just kind of like, if the thing you're just like, you should know about this, please let us know. Yeah. So, oh my god, you guys, the rest of this podcast that you're listening to right now is going to make you cry with laughter, so enjoy the fuck out of it. And with that... Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And we have a very special guest today with us, the voice of our amazing spoiler <laughs> warnings, Sarah Sarwar, is here in the not studio in her own apartment (laughs) in our virtual studio yes uh sarah tell the people who you are hi hi everybody i'm sarah um i work for autoshuttle.com i'm their visual director and designer i also design merch for autostraddle um and i run their business so i run and collaborate with clients and bring money into the business, which has been a lot of fun. And I do visual stuff for a camp. So I get to brand um, our queer adult summer camp every year. That's a lot of jobs. Yeah, it's, I think I have actually have more, but those are the ones all <laughs> those are the only ones you need to know about. So yeah. Rad. Yeah. Can we just pause for a minute and remind our readers that they should totally read autostraddle and buy cool merch and i was uh... literally about to do that we're <laughs> okay. all on the same page here <laughs> oh my god yeah, yeah speaking of bringing money into autostraddle you clearly love queer media so you should probably go uh become a monthly supporter of autostraddle absolutely so that it will stay in existence 
Yeah, if you want to do that, you can just go on autoshuttle.com and click support us and become an A-plus member and all the info's there. And that would be really cool, guys. Sure would. It would be so rad. This has been an advertisement for autostraddle.com. <laughs> okay, so I gotta go, you guys. <laughs> I'm just using this as my platform, so. Okay. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> I, I have to, full disclosure, like, on my to-do list was, like, reread the Sorcerer's Stone or, like, the Philosopher's Stone. I have both of them. But I was, like, uh, I um, didn't read them. So. <laughs> but I'm, like, dude, of course, like, I know everything that happens in those books. I've, like, literally read them so many times. So Yeah, I also but gave I, you, like, four episodes to listen to in, like, a week and a half. So. You did. And I didn't listen to the last one. So oh, no. if I'm missing out any major information, I'm like so sorry. You are. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. This is gonna be guys. Great. I didn't do my homework, but there's there's a a replacement theme song for that for that episode. <laughs> there is. Uh-huh. You have to you have to hear the theme song. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, thank you. No, I would love to. Are you gonna like? I love the opening. Um, it's just for this one episode. I just think it's so amazing that you got all that material out of the first episode that you guys recorded. I know. <laughs> well, we recorded for like seven hours that yeah. day. So. I remember when you were like, here's the cut down. It's two hours. I'm like, Mark, you have to cut this more. Like, <laughs> And you're like, I don't want to listen to it again. I'm like, you have to. I know. Thank you for that, by the by. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yeah. Magic brings Voldemort to the yard, and I'm like, it's hurting my scar. Hey man, you're hurting my scar. Grab a space and when he screams real hard, my magic sends Voldemort from the yard, and I'm like, whoa, this is bizarre. I black out from the pain in my scar. When I wake up, double doors real proud. My handshake made Quirrell die real hard. I'm 11, and I killed a teacher. That's right, I committed murder. I feel fucked up, but I won an award. I feel fucked up, but I won an award. <laughs> I won an award. Oh my god, that's amazing. He did. He did commit murder. That's so true. No one thinks about that. No one talks about Harry Potter as a murderer at eleven years old. <laughs> I think we spent half of the last oh, episode okay. talking about that. Actually, about uh-huh. it's just like what, like. No one ever talks about this again. And it's like, what? They're just like, yeah, cool. Good job, bro. Like, 100 points for Gryffindor or whatever he got. 60. He got 60. He got 60 points. (laughs) Which is, like, kind of lame, considering he committed murder for the school. I know. You think he would have gotten more points for... He only got 10 more points than Ron and Hermione did. Yeah, it's like, but you have... He has, like, a lifetime of trauma, like, Mm -hmm. you know? It's a big trade-off. <laughs> okay, that's the most important part of episode 10, Amazing. so now you're caught up. Cool. Okay, okay. Pretend we just did our intro, we talked about the thing. You're listening to our season recap episode, wherein we're going to talk about things that we really liked and whatever else happens in that conversation, but also we're going to have a conversation about Harry's journey through the major arcana of tarot and it's fine if you don't know anything about tarot because we'll talk about it 
as we go through it. And Sarah doesn't know anything about tarot. I don't. And so she's here to make sure that... What's the major arcana? Yeah. here. <laughs> that all of that gets explained to you adequately. So don't cool. panic if you're not a witch. Moral of the story. I'm really excited. I can't wait to learn more about tarot and Harry Potter's relationship with the major arcana. Yeah. Which, what is that? It's, well, okay. The major arcana is like, it's called the fool's journey. So it's like the cards that don't have suits. It's like a story. It's like your progression through your life, but also like through experiences. So it starts with the fool. They have what's called a key. So it's like the number that it is. The fool is key zero and it ends with the world, which is key 21. Um, And it's like the steps on the way from like, you as like the novice setting out into the world to you like reaching like completion basically Mm. um if you know what the hero's journey is which is like what every fantasy series is following is this Mm -hmm. template called Mm -hmm. the hero's journey it's very similar to that wow so we'll be doing this at the end of every book of like where how did harry like move through this and this is jesse's idea i'm talking about it but it was jesse's idea idea. yeah 10 out of 10 i'm very excited about it but we'll get into that later got it so yeah i want to start i would like to start by making an announcement that jesse is right 100 of the time and my scorpio rising insists that i fact check jesse all the time and i can't help it according to uh not all gemini's says that it's not my fault but like literally jesse has been correct every time that i've been like wait no except i think one time which was that Quirrell wasn't wearing the turban the first time Harry met him that is the only exception <laughs> Hogwarts is definitely in Scotland for sure yeah Centaurs I was really <laughs> in Greek it's mythology really are like, assholes except for one mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. whatever I I apologize and Jesse also you should be like Lark shut the fuck up I am correct I encourage you to do I, that I would like I to hear like... Jesse say shut the fuck up you just <laughs> say it right now I feel like I'm probably not going to say that to you ever <laughs> just like I, know. I don't know that's not that's not on brand for me so <sighs> I know what is your rising because you are Sagittarius and you should be a lot better at telling me to shut the fuck up yeah I have like cap Capricorn moon. Oh, geez. I feel like I don't remember what my. What I have your chart is. in a text message. <laughs> Just a second. <laughs> I think you're Scorpio rising. Does that mean that you just like build up resentment towards me every time you don't tell me to shut the fuck up? No. <laughs> what do you think, Sarah? Oh, I'm looking for this. My milkshake brings Voldemort to the yard tank top. <laughs> Because I really feel like... I had no idea there was a tank top. That's amazing. There's a tank top that I've wanted since 2000. I don't know. It's been on my like Pinterest board. Like my first Pinterest board I ever made. Anyways. Um, I. So I'm going to stop being distracted. Please do. <laughs> uh, listeners, son. we have invited another person with ADHD onto this podcast. <laughs> It's like you guys were looking oh, at your phone, no. so I was like, I'll look at my phone, I'll look, at, I'll look for the thing I needed to look for. So silly. Um, 
But whenever I hear Scorpio, I just think, yikes. And also, I'm so attracted to you, you know, like this, like, (laughs) duality of like, yes, no. (laughs) You're Virgo rising. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just found out that that means that, like, part of um, my journey or, like, what I want to put out into the world is, like, that of correctness Uh and, like, of specific, like, information and like that's my desire anyway and like that's what I want to project into the world and um and then Natasha told me yesterday my friend told me yesterday that I'm earth wind and fire or earth air and fire basically Uh because I'm an air sign sun and then what's a Virgo like a water no earth earth I was like wow that's really balanced really good about that um I'm an Aries moon which is fire so earth, fire, and air. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Cute. Do you remember the 21st night of September? What? No? Guys? Oh my god. What? Yeah, we have no idea what you're talking about. The earth, wind, and fire song, September? <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> it's a bop. Um, okay. So Sarah is yes. like our biggest fan. <laughs> I am. I love you guys. Um, And we'll like, for the first, I don't know, month that the podcast was out, like literally two days after an episode came out, Sarah would text me and be like, where is a new episode? (laughs) 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 Um, And also is responsible for our episodes not being absurdly long. So you can all um, email her and say thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh but so i guess i know you don't want to be responsible for leading this conversation but like what were the parts that made you excited in the beginning like where where is like your your dedication rooted um first of all i like just think that like i've consumed a, like i've had a relationship with this i like call it a franchise because it is for a really long time. Like, I read the books when I was young, and ever since then, like, anything that's come out about Harry Potter, like, a podcast, like, when you told me about that podcast. Which Please. Which Please, I totally consumed it immediately. Like, I I just feel like a lot of my immersion in the fandom has been so one note, and Which Please was really interesting because it was, like, it explored it in a more like intellectual way or in, in a scholarly. way scholarly in a scholarly way it's hosted by two lady scholars quote unquote two lady scholars just diving deep into the text into the paratext like it was cool it was like a really interesting way to look at the books that I'd never and it was the first time that I heard them um the like it really like being criticized in a way that was really smart <laughs> and what I love about your podcast is it follows a similar um, like path where I've I've never heard this series be dragged so hard, <laughs> but, like, but in such an accurate way, and um, and it's just refreshing uh, to to hear that and to hear your perspectives because both of you are super smart and have a lot of interesting ideas. Like Hagrid as a trans woman is a great 
great theory. Um, and I just love, I love the way that you kind of expose like the fact that Hogwarts is like a bad school. <laughs> like no one talks about it, but it's not a good school. And Dumbledore's creepy. Like, <laughs> you know, it is like the things that you say, like you're not afraid to just be really, um, really be honest about uh, some of the stuff in the books. That's just frankly hilarious. And um, yeah. And you guys make me laugh. So a, a question lot. that I have is, so we are very much like, you know, close reading and like critiquing the books. But I feel like it's obvious to us that we're doing it because we like very much love Harry Potter. But I have become curious over time about whether or not other people are reading, like hearing the fact that we love Harry Potter. <laughs> no, it's so it's nuanced as fuck because I think that like, can I say fuck? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think, because I, I think that I know you, and I know, like, your intentions, and that, like, part of your, like, the way that you, your lens on the world is to, to pick things apart and look at them in, in those ways, and find... You're dragging me right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, like, I know, but you have, like, four different, you have a Harry Potter podcast, obviously you love it, it's not like you're doing it because you hate it, Um, but I did have that thought when I was listening to it the other day, like, I was like, I wonder if people realize that, like, Lark specifically is, like, making, like, finding all these faults because, like, he loves it so much, because he, like, I don't know how to describe it, it was kind of like, it was just this, like, very brief, like, thought that flitted across my brain like because I know you're not actually doing it in anger like I mean, so some talking... things we are doing in anger actually right. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like the same as when I embarrass you in public by like calling things bullshit too loudly in front of the people that are sure sure yeah <laughs> sure yeah that's an interesting thought I think it's definitely um that's that's what I like about it, though. It's, like, distinctive, not only because of the gay angle. Like, I only want to, like, consume gay media and, like, have gay people telling their gay voices in my head and gay stories, like, told to me. Like, I don't yeah. want anything else. So it's very cool, that part of it. But it, honestly, it doesn't feel like that that's, like, the the crux of it. The crux of it is that it's just, like, very funny to drag this the series I think so I think and I I don't know if it comes across but like my hope is that I feel like the most loving thing that we can do is call people in right is be Mm -hmm. like I respect you enough to help you grow as a person and I kind Mm -hmm. of feel like our podcast is like calling in Harry Potter um and I think I, I feel like that's, like, the intention. Does that feel right to you, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, it feels right because I actually do listen to a podcast where two dudes talk about terrible books. Um, and it is very funny, but it's, like, it's a very different kind of... I, I feel like, you know, there's a way to be, like, 
wow, this thing is so terrible. It's funny, but also it's really terrible where I feel like, I feel like, you know, we say some things in the, like about the books where it's like, oh, it's really shitty about like Dumbledore and his whole deal. But like, (laughs) we still really love the series and the characters, you know? So. Right. We're like dedicated enough to them to like tell them when they're fucking up. Yeah. 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 Obviously they can't hear us. Because they're fictional. But, um, yeah, I feel like anyone who thinks that we are doing this because we dislike the book should definitely, like, hop over to patreon.com slash thegaylyprofit and listen (laughs) to the free for everyone, regardless of whether or not you're a patron episode of Witch Weekly, our gossip magazine, where we literally, you guys, we talk about this quote-unquote like esoteric witchy podcast hosted by a white man with dreads in which (laughs) jesse says that white people with dreads can't have good sex because they hate themselves too much (laughs) which is something that i will never forget (laughs) so if you want to hear what we sound like when we hate something (laughs) just go listen to that oh my god i think i think I think that there are a lot of fans who hold this series in their heart, like as like a com- source of comfort. It's kind of like when you when you read it, you feel like you're back in that place like when you first read the books, right? And so there's like a nostalgia to it, but it's also like I know a lot of people that don't engage in like the Twitter stuff with Harry Potter or like critique it at all or like even know you know the problems with it because like they've spent. They like they just want to see it for like what it gave to them and what it brought to their lives, which I think is like pretty cool. But I also really enjoy. I, there's definitely a large group of people who enjoy dissecting it. I mean, it is at least for me. It's like still that. It's still a place of comfort. It, there's a reason totally. that I like read Harry Potter in an endless loop to fall asleep to <laughs> for like five years of my life. Yeah. If anyone's been curious about, like, why I can quote directly from all of the books, it's because I have <laughs> literally read them, like, hundreds of times. Absolutely. And I, so I just don't think that, like, those things need to be separated. Like, I think that we need to be able to critique things that we love, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think, like, I love the, I love, I've loved the Harry Potter series, like, since I was, like, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever. And I think, like, what continues to bring me joy, which is sort of the reason we started this podcast, is that I really love talking to other people about Harry Potter. Like, and I feel like Mm -hmm. people who, like, love the series, like, have a lot of feelings about the series. And it's just always a joy to talk to people about, like, how McGonagall is is clearly a queer lady. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Cause it's like a shared experience and like that's, and we all sort of had it at least like around the same ages and grew up with it. And it's something again, that's been read by like a lot of us so many times that it's, it's just like, yeah, it's a shared, it's a shared experience, which is really incredible. And also Harry Potter is like gay. Like, that's the story arc of Harry Potter. Like, he's coming out of the closet. Right. <laughs> I mean, we love that. Why do people love that? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to use 
Mr. Brightside is one of the book recap songs for a future book. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, is there anything else that, like, pre us digging into tarot stuff that you guys want to talk about? Technology curse alert. Hey, listeners, if you're, if you can, um, go to Patreon right now and donate <laughs> to the Gaily Prophet so that Jesse can get a higher um, speed on her internet. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. That, I do need to do that, actually. You know, everybody just go <laughs> right now. All right. Should we talk about Tara? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sarah, what is your experience with tarot? Uh, one time you gave me a tarot reading that changed my life, um, and I moved to Portland and broke up with my long-term partner. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is quite the tarot reading, actually. I'm really yeah. good at tarot readings, you guys. <laughs> um, That's why I, I do them that. professionally. <laughs> you can book a reading with me at larkmalachi.com. Okay, yeah, and just pre-warning, like, you have to be ready because I wasn't ready. You clearly I, were. No, I was not. I gave you a tarot not. reading. We came to Portland together and both decided to move here. It was no, exactly it was the right exactly time. what I needed, but like also I wasn't ready. Oh, I see. Um right then, you know. Yeah. Like I wasn't ready for the information, but sometimes it's important to just be like slapped in the face, I guess, or get a bucket of ice water dumped over your whole face. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now I feel guilty. <laughs> what? No, don't feel guilty. Obviously, look look where I am now. No, I'm I very know. happy, and this is important for me to know. Um, you guys like basically was like, you have to work through some traumatic stuff, and I was like, you're right. And then and now I'm doing it. And now you see two say, therapists. I was seeing two therapists at one point. Not like different, like not like a physical therapist and a you know regular therapist but just two people listening to me back to back for like two months and then people said uh i don't think you're allowed to do that and so then i stopped and i had to pick one but you're I'm, totally allowed to see two therapists fuck all those people thanks. who said that to you yeah i mean i feel like it's just like people who are like monogamous they're like oh <laughs> you know oh, it's like God. only sometimes though um, but I, yeah, that's my experience. And I, like, I don't know very much about it. Cool. All right. So clear, obviously I am a tarot reader. I read tarot professionally as part of my work. Jesse also is a tarot reader. Oh my gosh. Do you want to talk about that at all, Jesse? Uh, I don't really read professionally, but I did last fall do some short readings at the public library for a harry potter event they had (gasps) (laughs) so i gave a lot of readings to children which is actually a lot of fun that's so cute jesse may not read professionally but jesse is a person that i turn to when i can't interpret my own cards which is a thing because uh it turns out i'm really biased about my own life and so it's really hard <laughs> to read my own cards and also similarly i have a hard time reading my partner's cards and so both of us often turn to jesse when we need 
things clarified. For instance, what job my partner should take when we moved to Portland when he had three different job offers. So, <laughs> so I, I feel like that's a, a high endorsement. If you join our Patreon at the highest level, <laughs> I can give you a tarot reading. Oh my God, we should add that. Oh, that's such a good idea. Like once also, a month. Also, anything that Jesse says, like in that voice is like very convincing like anything that you need people to do you should just get jesse to say it like... in my in like my business professional voice it's no it doesn't sound perfect like it sounds like the voice that you hear when you like die and it's like everything will be fine like you're gonna be do you're gonna be great you know like oh, that's yeah. like this like deep soothing like all-knowing kind of voice it's nice it is nice it's god's voice or, of... or death from the Sandman series, if, if you're familiar. I think you're alone it. there. That's a, I tried okay, really that's hard. It didn't work. That's fair. Okay, but, oh, so speaking of voices, I was listening back to our first couple of episodes uh, yesterday, and it is, like, really trippy to listen to my voice drop in real time. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about that because I was listening to the first couple episodes, and I'm like, why does this sound different? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Lark's voice is, like, much deeper now. I think I'm going currently my like third very dramatic step down is is in progress but I haven't started squeaking yet which is great because those episodes where I was real squeaky were a little bit embarrassing you should tell everyone how I reacted to your voice oh my god (laughs) yeah when my second voice drop happened the first time that I because it happens in like one day like, it starts for, like, a little bit, and then it's, like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm, like, oh, wow, that's a whole new voice, and then I have to, like, adjust to it, which is when the squeaking happens, uh, but the first time I saw Sarah after my second voice drop, she was, like, freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> um, very, uh, sexually, <laughs> like, being, like... <laughs> Your voice sounds like thunder. Will you tell me a story? Oh my god. Your voice sounds like thunder. That's what you said. You said that like three times. And then I oh read my you. God. I read you I... that uh, Harry Potter chapter that was generated by a bot, which if anyone hasn't read that, you should go find it right now. Because it's You so literally funny. should. It's Well, you should do it for Patreon content. Like read it. Oh my god. Because your voice sounds even more thunderous. <laughs> That actually would be pretty great because that whole thing is very funny. I will definitely do that. I would any time that I get to say Ron's Ron shirt was worse than Ron himself. I am like <laughs> here for that content. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, uh, that bot really read Harry Potter right. <laughs> it was yeah, on the same page as our podcast. the the robots are already doing better than the rest of us it's just you know it's true yeah yeah all right all right all right we've been talking for an hour so (laughs) let's talk about we're gonna have a lot of really great uh you know deep director's cut to put on patreon that's all oh that's true if anyone wants to hear about our respective sex lives, just head on <laughs> over to patreon.com. <laughs> Sign up. We talked, all right, so Sarah's relationship with Tara, we did that. The Major Arcana, we talked about how that works a little bit. So let's start with Key Zero, the fool. Look at this adorable Wait. tarot deck. Uh oh, what's up? Wait, sorry. Uh, should we like 
take it even a little bit baby steps and sort of explain what tarot is or we should or should we just assume people know if you don't know what tarot is please pause this podcast and google it and come back (laughs) whoa no well the whole reason that i'm here is so that i can be like i don't know what that means right but they've read harry potter and so they know that it's a form of divination i mean divination from that it's way more legit than it seems like it is from Trelawney. Though, to be fair, every fucking card that she pulls is true. Like, she's wandering down the halls being like, the tower, the tower. And it's like, yes, the fucking tower. Something terrible is going to happen. And it does. <laughs> and it happens on a literal tower. So, like, she's a joke, but, like, she's still her tarot reading is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tarot just tells you what's true via cards. But so we start with key zero, which is the fool, which is like you're setting out on a journey and like it can go one way or another. Obviously, this is where Harry is at the beginning of the book. And it's just like, I think kind of even like overall for book one, it's sort of like one of the big themes is like Harry learning about himself and sort of his place in the witching world and kind of like what that means for him so one of the whole threads of in like sorcerer's stone is like sort of harry like taking that first step into his into his fool into his hero's journey and sort of like he makes these lifelong friends and enemies and he finds out a little bit more about himself and his past and like you know in the first like four chapters like he just he doesn't know like so much about himself like right. even less than like because you know he's living you know now with his like you know birth parents and like you know no one has told him really who he is and like what he can do he starts off at zero basically and then mm-hmm. like by the end of book one like he's like i know who i am and like what i am and also sort of a little bit like where the like the path that my life has been set on which is sort of to defeat voldemort Yeah, something that I thought was interesting when I was going through this was, like, how many of the cards in the Major Arcana, I was like, this is where Harry is at the end of the book. So I I do want to say, like, this is a stepwise process, but, like, that doesn't mean that it goes in linear order. And, like, you can be engaging in multiple steps at once. And, like, some of the steps aren't even you. So, like, we'll talk about some of these cards as being other people in Harry's life that are, like, playing a role. So, like, for instance, key one is the magician, which is all about, like, creation and, like, like, the magician usually is represented with all four suits of the tarot, which is wands, cups, pentacles, and swords. And, like, the magician is, like, bringing all of those together and, like, manifesting their power. And I feel like Harry comes into that when he gets to Hogwarts, but he's still there when he leaves Hogwarts, right? Like, he's going to sort of stay at the Magician, I think, through the end of the seventh book. Does that feel right? Yeah, it does. I have a question. Yeah. So even though he's, like, kind of at the standstill, his major arc or whatever, is that in relation to, like, Harry from now until when he ultimately I know this is a spoiler free podcast but like what? you know it's the opposite of a spoiler free podcast <laughs> I mean, no, sorry a spoiler full podcast obviously sorry but 
That's he defeats Voldemort eventually, right? That's the arc, the major arc. But also, couldn't he move through like like microcosmic journeys in each book? Is that kind of like what you're? Yeah. So he goes through here? a form of the hero's journey or the fool's journey in each book, and so we'll talk okay. about it like that. And then presumably at the end of the series, we'll like do one where we talk about it in terms of book seven, but then we'll do one where we talk about it in terms of the whole series. Cool. Yeah interesting yeah and so like you said standstill when you talked about this but like because the magician is a card of like creative energy it's not actually a standstill it's just sort of like a state of being where he's like manifesting and learning and like create creating like his you know sense of self or whatever and i mean especially since like every in every book every year like harry gets more powerful or or is better able to tap into his innate power it's a little bit confusing which is which because the magic the logistics of how the magic works in the series is never really stated so i guess we can assume that like harry is tapping into more of his power let's say right so like yeah so like every year he's still embodying the magician because he's still learning more and like at being able to access more of like all of his power and like knowledge and and I think truthfully, like we should all aim to constantly be manifesting the magician. Like you don't ever want to yeah. get to a point where you're not like putting that like creative energy towards your trajectory in life because mm-hmm. that's like what helps you grow as a person. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Jesse, on key two, like on the high priestess, which is like intuition and like listening to yourself and being connected to like the universe you know i was kind of i was think i was trying to figure out a little bit if harry if like if harry ends up kind of embodying like the high priestess like energy towards the end of the book or if that's sort of like where hermione kind of like kind of like her journey in the series in the first book interesting i think hermione is the hierophant that does make sense so I get stuck on the high priestess because we do see Harry at least himself thinking that he is moving into a place where he's like trusting his intuition and like moving past his imposter syndrome. But how much given that we are reading the text as like Dumbledore is playing chess with Harry, how much can we actually credit Harry with this and how much of it is actually him being manipulated by Dumbledore? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I really feel like then he maybe doesn't totally tap into, like, sort of, like, high priestess energy until, like, book book four. I mean, seven is, like, he has, like, gone through the fool's journey so much that he is, like, I am ready to to die. Like, that is sort of, like, the kind of this end goal of the fool's journey is him stepping into this unknown that is death, which I have a lot of feelings about. (laughs) (laughs) It's intense. Yeah, but I feel like... Maybe not even in book four, because in book four, he's still being manipulated just by a different person. Maybe book five, when he's, like, taking it upon himself to teach the other students, and he's just kind of like, you know Mm. what? Fuck all you adults. Because that's definitely his fuck all you adults book. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The the most empowering of the books, I think. And what happens in that book? Dumbledore is absent. Hmm. interesting uh, Cur- curiouser and curiouser. 
<laughs> curiouser and curiouser. What do you mm. What do you think, Sarah? In terms of like manipulation versus versus him like coming into his own trust in himself. I mean, that's like a fairly new idea and concept for me as far as like thinking about Harry being heavily manipulated by Dumbledore. So I think I would probably have to sit with that for a second. I think that does make a lot of sense. And I think like, I also sort of like, I feel like it could mirror a lot of the experience of growing up, right? Like being guided by adults in your life and like having this like overarching force, but like having that breaking away from that and so Carrie's like 11 at this point so of course he's like a lot like and also he's been given like has this like huge burden sort of to carry and he's only 11 and so like it's it's I think acceptable that Voldemort (laughs) this keeps happening this Dumbledore Voldemort (laughs) mistake Purple, Does it? Purple mistake. Yes. Yeah, we we both done yeah, it. Well, we both will say one or the other, and we mean yeah. So. Voldemort, Dumbledore. I guess like the maybe it's the syllable. I don't know. It's but... also the fact that they're very similar. <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> like let's yeah. I think it, it's acceptable that he's that Dumbledore is guiding Harry. It was just um, wouldn't it point? be so much better if he was guiding him overtly so that Harry was aware of it. <laughs> I mean, sure, that would be a lot less creepy if and you didn't whisper gently in Harry's ear. Well done, Harry. Right. Good job Good not thinking job. about the mirror. <laughs> I think that, like, I don't know if there's, like, a resolution there, but that's sort of... I mean, and he's still, like, he makes it. He he makes the decision, and he like stands by the decision that he made. You know, mm-hmm. like even like in the last chapter, when Hermione's like, "I think Dumbledore did it on purpose. That's messed up." And he's like, "Oh no, I think it's fine that I got to make this decision to like head on Voldemort." You know, and yeah, despite how we're no, that is messed up. Like Harry is sort of like, "This is this is a thing I kind of needed to do almost." Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Are we ready to hop back into the tarot? Absolutely. So it is time. I'm really excited. It's time for us to talk about the fact that Hagrid is the fucking empress. I know! Yes! So, Sarah, the empress is, like, the mom of Mm. the tarot. Yes! Um, She, like... I mean, the empress... Like, none of the tarot cards are inherently gendered. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, the empress is, like, the archetypical mother energy totally and even pre us realizing that Hagrid is a trans woman there was like no question of like what card Hagrid would be there there is there is no question like Hagrid is the emperor like that's that's just it yeah. Like caring and nurturing and like motherly and like all of like that's that's that is just who they are. Yeah. And like honestly, so I know that like the series wants Molly Weasley to be like the mother of the series, but I think that a lot of what's important about the Empress is that there's like a lack of judgment there and she doesn't have that, but Hagrid does 
Mm. Like Hagrid is very like is what unconditional love looks like, like parental Aww. unconditional love, where it's just like, totally. yeah, no, like you're, I'm here for you no matter what is going on. I think it's also really great to think about Hagrid as the Empress. So like, there's a thing in Tarot where you have like a birth card where if you add up like all of the numbers in your birth date and depending if they correspond to like number nine or below you can like you know divide the two to get like you know the number card that is like sort of like your the card that represents like you and my card is the empress which i had like a really hard time with because i'm just like i don't really connect with children that way and i feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of it is very a lot of the literature is very like traditional like fertile mothering energy and so I'm kind of like this isn't really me but I feel like because there's also a lot of like queer interpretations of the tarot or or it just is just like kind of nurturing just sort of like generous and like open sort of maternal in a way that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like based in like what your biological body can do I mean this is all to say that like Hagrid's nurturing and energy to like living things that Hagrid feels they need to protect and nurture is very much like a thing that has like sort of helped me like deeply understand like the Empress is a card and a concept so yeah that's really cool and like that it doesn't have to be about literal like biological children like just like the queer community has this like chosen family and we have these people in our lives that we bring in and we care for and nurture children our fur, and our fur babies like where queer people love fur babies yeah. they really love them and like yeah so there's like this really sense of like that family doesn't have to be this like one thing yeah and that's like a really great thing that like Hagrid like opened that up and showed you that so that makes total sense you have a very nurturing personality totally yeah <laughs> I feel like Hagrid also is, like, really tied in with the, like, ways that queer communities create and choose our own families also because of the way that she's, like, ostracized and the way that she's othered in Mm. that, like, a lot of it is that, like, we don't have a choice because often our families of origin are, like, not an option, right? Yeah. Usually by by their choices and not ours right right and so like i mean hagrid's mom like abandoned her and her dad is dead and you know despite the fact that like her dad was like super nurturing and great like she doesn't have access to that and then like the rest of the witching world is very like not sure right not sure about how to interact with her and like Mm -hmm. she does have chosen family like her chosen family is Dumbledore and like for better or worse that's that's like a a legitimate like Mm -hmm. parental figure for her and I think Dumbledore is better to Hagrid than almost anybody than he is to almost anyone else right Mm -hmm. yeah I mean Mm -hmm. I would say so and I just also want to kind of mention who is in Hagrid's chosen family is beings that are common in the witching world is being misunderstood mm-hmm. like i mean we'll get into this more in book two but like they get expelled from hogwarts sort of protecting i mean being blamed by tom riddle but also protecting aragog 
who is a literal dangerous like person <laughs> eating giant spider, which I think for a lot of people would be like, why, what, what are you doing? Like, why would you keep or protect this like quote unquote dangerous being? But mm-hmm. for Hagrid, it's like, Aragog's misunderstood. Like, it's just a little, you know, magical being doing its own, you know, thing. It's like, that is my friend, you know? Yeah. And Aragog continues to be, you know, Hagrid's friend and family in a sense. So, yeah. Yeah, I just keep thinking of the blast ended scroots and like how Hagrid is just so into them. Like, yeah. just like, guys, look how cute they are. All oh, those Let's little... see if they want to hibernate. Let's <laughs> tuck them in with these pillows and blankets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And I. It's like the further into this we get, the more it's like Hagrid is like literally just like and uh what the fuck a word am i looking for allegory for the queer community (laughs) and like the way that the way that like queerness exists in the world as the world is currently and i also i think i want to expand upon that is like an allegory for the kind of queerness that you can't really hide Mm mm-hmm like Hagrid sort of Hagrid doesn't like quote unquote pass as like a regular witch, but it's sort of by like they don't necessarily uh divulge that information and like maybe people just aren't really gonna ask. Mm. Hagrid Hagrid isn't isn't passing. Like it's you know, people are gonna view them as like not not quite like something is just like not quite normal, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is such a, like, queer person, like, experience, like, you know, in some, in, in, in some ways more potently than others, but I think that, like, in a, in a, like, cultural sense, like, you're moving through the world feeling othered already by, by your queerness and by your, the fact that you're not the same as majority of the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis. Right. And so, like... She is, like, I think a representation, too, of what a lot of the queer community looks for. Like, I personally, like, have, um, like, a, it, like, I don't feel connected to my parents. And, like, I don't have the experience of feeling like my parents understand me, which I know is, like, a very universal, ubiquitous queer experience. But, like, I also think that because of that, we look for, like, not only family, but specifically, like, authority figures or people in our lives that are like motherly or fatherly and like having moms or dads like is totally like I personally am like continuously finding new ways to like make my queer friends my mother or my father just Mm -hmm. like my friend C who Lark and I know both know is definitely dad like their dad they come and help me mail things into my wall and like take me on like lunch trips and like I'm like want to go get ice cream come on like totally I text C when I like my executive dysfunction won't like make me do something that I'm like afraid of like making doctor's appointments I will text C and be like can you be my dad for a minute like can you make me make this phone call and they are like there they're just like yeah like what is your block here are your steps this is what I need you to do right now and I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes. 
two of my best friends are like that. Um, I, joking but not jokingly, refer to them as my gay uncles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because they're who I call, like, they are they both have, like, uh, mechanic background. So I'm like, what's going on with my car? And I'll, like, call, I'll, like text one of them or it's like. Yeah, I feel like, like, a lot of people call me and Evan their dads, too, which I think, including you, Sarah. Yeah, like, no, like, the whole time I was hanging out with your dogs, I was like, your dad's blah, 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 like, and me and Natasha were um, your lesbian aunties. We're like, your lesbian aunties are here, you know, and, like totally yeah. like yeah i feel like evan is like fixing things dad and oh i'm like God. feelings dad like, yeah. like that's and that yeah like <laughs> i really like being able to provide that to my community like i have like an entire like family of like adopted queer children at a camp who are like oh my dad is here like can you listen to my problems no. <laughs> um, i love great. that but yeah, but like also then like I'm still in the position of being like now I need to find right Absolutely. my my parents. So what we're saying, <laughs> listeners, if anyone wants to be our uh, gay dads, uh, or we're, or we're moms. taking applications or moms or, moms, or parents, I, you know that not... maternal energy. If anybody just wants to like give me a hug that makes me feel like everything is okay and let me weep softly into their shoulder i am on the market thank you very much you can weep softly into my shoulder anytime (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a very maternal instinct but i feel like i'm developing it i think that's true and i think that that's an interesting idea too is that like family doesn't look one way right because we're queer and because we like fuck gender and like do all this stuff like like we also like we're looking for support just as much as we're willing to give it. And like, I think that like a lot of my trauma and like the way that it's manifested is that it's really hard for me to ask for help and ask for people to be nurturing. So it's so incredible, like how so much of the queer community is just willing to hold space for our queer friends because we have this like, like the way that Hagrid does basically hold space for Harry. She's always right there like waiting to embrace him and like like give you know give him the support that he needs and bake rock cakes (laughs) but you know ultimately is there and I think that that's like one of the things that was really that still I'm trying to wrap my head around is like that people actually are like it gives them joy to hold me up like and that they're that they like are okay with doing it and it's not hard you know totally yeah I think it's like so hard for people who have been rejected by our families of origin to trust in that way and to like believe that someone will like be there and not leave right like if Mm -hmm. you get vulnerable or if you like expose yourself in that way and so it is like it's really hard to take that leap. I think we all just need to watch that one episode of the latest season of Queer Eye on repeat and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's okay, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Wait, which one are you talking yeah. about? Uh, the one, the like, I think it's called Black Girl Magic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I love that one. I There's... like almost cried multiple times. I cried three separate times watching that season of Queer Eye at least three wait, wait 
You only cried three times during the whole season. I think so. I was squishier one night than others. <laughs> um, I just want to give you an update that uh, that same woman, like Janelle Monet, tweeted that she was also that that was her hero, which I would have I would have like fainted. But then some fans created a like GoFundMe so that so that she could go back to like school for like computer science, and like she made a lot of money, and she's gonna go. Oh no! she's gonna go back to school and be her best like queer self and like learn about computers and it's a very warm fuzzy now i'm gonna cry again (laughs) we invited her to a camp and she said yes are you serious yeah oh my god that's incredible i hope she comes actually comes but now that janelle monet is like tweeting at her i don't know you know she might be too fuck off (laughs) roxanne gay gonna be at a camp Hmm? Isn't Roxanne Roxy. Gay going to be yeah. at gay camp? Oh, yeah. I can't believe yeah. I'm not going this year. But So, that was a great conversation. <laughs> Should we talk about Harry's Chosen Family, which is... Yeah, let's talk about Harry's Chosen Family. Dumbledore, kind of, in a yeah. sort of emperor, sort of, you know, sort mm-hmm. of way. Yeah, in a, like, inaccessible dad way. <laughs> Which yeah. we are going to yeah. talk about Absent in the next car. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just coming in with expectations and leaving again without offering anything <laughs> in return. That's, so, that is exactly what he's doing. Oh, um, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, Hermione and Ron as Harry's Absent father. chosen family. Um, yeah, and Hagrid. And then the Weasleys, like mm-hmm. in general, but we don't see that yet. So I guess that conversation will be more in the next, the next book. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I maybe had a bit of a trickier time trying to figure out, like, Hermione and Ron in terms of, like, like the tarot. But... I've got Hermione. I have no idea what card Ron would be. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I think it's... I feel like it's a little bit... I feel like he's a little bit tricky in this book because like he is super supporting of Harry but also just such a complete asshole I think that you know it's I I actually like so we'll talk about I think that Hermione is a hierophant but I don't I think that that's just like a role that Hermione is playing and that's not the card that represents her I don't think that Ron or Hermione either of them would be major arcana like I think they both would be like um royals that's not the word that I'm looking for but the court cards yeah the court they would be court cards i think probably in terms of his volatility ron is probably either the page or the knight of wands guys yeah what are those things yeah (laughs) so the court cards like in the so the minor arcana are the ones that more or less line up with playing cards so they go from ace to king but they have Mm. an extra royal basically so instead of just like jack queen king they have page page knight queen king which are sometimes called other things so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like um daughter son mother father i know that there are some that are like genderless but i don't know what words they use well i have i have the autostrata article about this exact same thing pulled up (laughs) Uh, we'll have nice. the link to this in our show notes. 
Um, what is auto straddled? Autostraddle.com? <laughs> <laughs> so the the slow hauler tarot, which is a like queer southern tarot deck, which is really rad. Mm. Um, they break down the uh, court cards as student, traveler, visionary, and architect. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, which is I like that. pretty rad. Yeah, I think that's maybe like my favorite one. There's also another tarot debt that the collective tarot has seeker, apprentice, artist, and mentor. So, mm. but I think in general, quite a lot of them are like gendered. Like the Wild Unknown, the deck that I have, it's like daughter, son, mother, father. So. Mm. Yeah. And so, like, how does this play in? So, like, the major arcana is like a, it's an arc. It's a it's the journey of a one from point a to z i guess but like how does the the minor arcana like loop in there major arcana is sort of like big picture stuff and the Mm -hmm. minor arcana is sort of like moment to moment yeah like moment to moment day to day like you know it's sort of it can change sort of like with the circumstance of your you know, day or week or whatever. Yeah, and you have a lot of control over the the minor arcana. Like, you can be like, I don't want that to be my outcome, and I'm going to take steps to avoid it. Whereas, like, with major arcana stuff, it's more like, okay, this thing is coming, and I'm going to take steps to prepare myself for it. Cool. But the court cards in the minor arcana often represent people, like, in your life. Like, they are people. They're the only ones that are, like people as opposed to like situations basically Mm -hmm. and they often like stand for people in your life not always sometimes they're you or like whatever but a lot of the time they are like showing up as like influences supporting roles like in your life Mm -hmm. things that are like basically the like tertiary characters that are like not majorly influencing your story but like are part of your story yeah, and the major arcana are all archetypes, right? Like, if you think yeah. about, like, you know, Jungian archetypes, like, the mm-hmm. tarot is, like, huge in terms of, like, what Jung was talking about. Um, so then, yeah, in this case, like, Ron and Hermione are not archetypes, right? Like, they mm-hmm. aren't showing up in that way. So I think yeah. that they're probably court cards. Mm-hmm. And going back to my hypothesis of a moment ago, I strike the idea that Ron would be the Page of Wands. I think that Ron would be the Knight of Wands. The Knight of Wands is very like, let's go. Like, very just like, I don't know. There's not a lot of like critical thinking there. And like, (laughs) they can be very kind and like very much like bring the life of the party and like really make things feel great but they can also just like be going in the wrong fucking direction and like (laughs) do it super wrong and like not even have a second thought about it Mm -hmm. does that feel right to you jesse yeah definitely and then i feel like hermione would be swords like she would be the knight or the the night the night the page one of those of swords because the swords family is all about like logic and like clear thinking and like cutting to the chase and like not talking around things Mm -hmm. so like swords is the family of like therapists lawyers 
teachers like just they're very like i see you yeah <laughs> I, I have it's terrifying I, yeah i feel like immediately i was like mcgonagall is the queen of swords totally like, that's Hot. just that that's just who she is she's just you know she's very sharp she's very mm-hmm. logical she's just like no bullshit She's got that like tight bun she pulls out at the end of the book, seventh book. <laughs> she's with this oh with her wand. It's time for that boomerang again. <laughs> I love how it's, we're gonna get so much use out of that. I know. It's just like every time we mention Morganico, we're like, oh. <laughs> such a babe. I'm like, oh my god, now she has a sword. <laughs> <laughs> she does all right i knew it was a sword but i said want instead but it is it's a sword did you say end. wand i heard you mm-hmm. say sword so you probably was we're just, just reading my mind it. yeah 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 man so harry's chosen family is sorry a... <laughs> strong <laughs> you said are you still hung up on mcgonagall is that yeah. what's happening no i was just thinking about just that personal the so personal spot like strong makes me hard. Like my god, my god, with a sword. Just like, oh my god, there, there's your graphic for this week. <laughs> oh my god, um, strong makes me hard. Literally, all I do when we talk about McGonagall is make myself blush so hard and be like, why am I it's releasing this much thing. information about myself into the world? It is a lot of information without saying much. It's like. Oh, that's exactly what Lark. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. Strong makes me hard, you know? Yep. 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 <laughs> anyway. We have so many cards to get through. I'm going to keep <laughs> us on track. We got to, yeah, Your let's. benevolent we need dictator. To, you, need to dad, you need to dad the situation. Speaking of dads, <laughs> it's time to talk about the Emperor and Dumbledore. Oh my God. I am the king of segues. The Emperor is the dad archetype. Gotcha. <sighs> Which can be sort of a, like, for better or worse. It's Mm. interesting. Sometimes this card shows up as, like, being, representing, like, stability and safety and or a need for those things. But sometimes it shows up as, like, literally the patriarchy. Yeah, so we talked about it a second ago, a little bit, how this is... Dumbledore's daddy. And not in a good way. Absent (laughs) daddy. Yeah. It's like what Rhea Butcher said. They said, like, I don't have daddy issues. I have a father problem, which I think Carrie can probably attest to. Yeah. He has a father problem. He really has a father problem. So, like, all of his fathers are bad, even Mm -hmm. the ones that are dead, you know? I feel like James would have been one of those, like, sitcom dads, you know? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. present, but, like, not, you know? But but also like Harry would have had multiple sitcom dads because he would have also had uh, Lupin and Sirius. It, oh. it would be a little bit like Full House, I guess. Five like the original oh. one. <laughs> you just made Harry's parents' deaths like a thousand times more tragic, which is quite a feat. I'm I'm sorry. I I feel like when I first read uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, I was like so upset because there's that moment where it's like oh my god harry's gonna have this awesome like parental figure that he's gonna live with it's gonna be so rad and then it's just like snatched away and i'm just like i just can remember that just like the first time reading it just being so crushed just being like 
But no, it would have. We could have had it all. Yeah. Also, sorry that a fire truck just went past. I I think it's totally accurate that a fire truck would go by. Yeah. Thinking about this, <laughs> but also thinking about it makes me happy in a way that, like, like I mean, it, there wouldn't be a book if it was that way. It would because Harry would just have really happy, happy like home life or whatever. It's like all like. Who like most people don't have a good father figure anyway, but he would have four. Like, literally, or why do dads suck? What <laughs> is this problem? Why toxic masculinity? Yes, <sighs> it's definitely the patriarchy. It's like literally, <sighs> stop reproducing if you yeah. don't want to be a fucking dad. Like, do you know this is a choice? You Absolutely. don't have to do it. I think James, I. I, I did blanket statement James and like I don't know what kind of father he'd be like but a lot of my like interpretation of James is really through like Snape's journey and like mm. how Snape relates to James and like just how cr- unnecessarily like cruel he was um, and so like I think that's where I was coming from when I was like yeah all of his dads suck <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that like I just don't know because like Remus describes Snape and James's relationship as being a lot like Malfoy and Harry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Harry is a lot kinder than James was, but like, I mean, Snape was like literally already becoming a Death Eater before he left school, and like mm-hmm. he hated James. I feel like the memories that we get are very, very biased, and like Snape mm. was probably like dishing out as much as he was getting, mm-hmm. and that doesn't make what what james did okay at all like Mm -hmm. don't rise to it it's like that's you you're still a bully even if the person you're bullying is bullying you but like Mm -hmm. i don't think snape is like a reliable source of like what that relationship dynamic was like which i mean i think i think you're right Mm -hmm. i would still sort of take into account my interpretation of james as kind of an asshole as he was still an incredibly popular, handsome kid who came from a lot of money. And, like, if he was the only child, probably spoiled rotten. Mm-hmm. And, like, those kind of dudes can be really nice, but it's also, like, you have all of this other stuff that can really just be, like, ugh, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I think probably the stories that we heard, like, we didn't, we didn't really hear a lot of James, like, James's backstory in terms of, like, when Snake was antagonizing him. So, like, we... But we're... But I think that J.K. Rowling wants us to, like, have sympathy for Snape in the moment that we learn about James, you know, turning him upside down or whatever and showing everybody his underwear. We, like, that at that point in the story, she's trying to convince us that, like, this is gonna... That we have to care about this character in some way. Which some of us are more vulnerable to than <laughs> others. Yeah. Jesse, <laughs> you dirty Snape lover. Listen, I, I, I stand. I stand by my. I stand by my emo drama queen. Yeah, and I mean the fact that like you know James still does the whole like one of my best friends is a werewolf, so I'm gonna go through this really complicated like magical experience in order to like help him not be so lonely is like very is pretty amazing. You know, that is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, I feel like just because just because someone is like popular and like 
self-confident in high school doesn't necessarily mean that they're an asshole. Like, just you, you like, refer to the Marauders as assholes a lot. But the only evidence we have for that is, like, from Snape's perspective. And, like, I don't get the impression that they're, like, cruel as a general rule. They're just, like, those cool kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, they are just, like, they are very confident. They have their, like, in-group and they are just like down with that and i don't think that that's necessarily bad if they're not like harming if they're not bullying as a result of it i don't know and we don't ever get the impression like that there were other people that were suffering in the same way that snape was at their hands yeah i mean i guess i guess i kind of think that and you know you're totally right like i don't necessarily think they were like bullying other people i think that the thing with like snape and the marauders was probably a very like special singular case mm-hmm. but i think that they might have kind of been assholes the same way that like fred and george are kind of assholes where they're like like they're good like they're good guys but like they do a lot of shit that's like super annoying <laughs> and i think definitely sort of like had some of like the same sort of chaotic good energy that like Fred and George have currently yeah that's Mm -hmm. I love looking at it like that because it's they have this like Fred and George have this other special quality to them which is that they're both they are both creators and they both create chaos but like it's out of like a sense of joy Mm -hmm. and fun and like that's what they did like as the friends of like Lupin they like created this like whole other world that like made them a pack and made them like a group of friends that like had something special going on that made it feel very like inclusive right right Um, i feel like with fred and george like they take up too much space i think is a lot of the issue that we have with them but like (laughs) they are very like they're very popular they're very like insular to some extent but then like in the next book when Harry is being bullied, like they go out of their way to escort him through the hallways, take him from class to class so that he can't be bullied and like tell everyone to like get way, get out of the way of the air of Slytherin, like make a joke out of it and like make (laughs) Harry feel better. And like, what a great way to take up too much room, right? Like they're, that's not something that they had to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're a lot older than him and they're just like, you know what? Like this kid, needs this right now mm-hmm. and they do it and they like they're there for neville sometimes right like they mm-hmm. there's like right i think chaotic good is a really good yeah word for it um which anyone if you don't know what that's about just go find any D meme and you'll <laughs> understand i think if you just google chaotic good i'm sure a million memes will pop up Actually, there's a Wikipedia article you can read about what yeah. that meme means. So yeah, let's get back on track. Sorry, <laughs> we have so much to say about dads. <laughs> Dumbledore, like he, like he runs an entire school. Not well, but he, right. He runs an entire world. Like he, yeah. Like everybody is like. Like, he's not in charge in the ministry, but, like, people but want he him to be. is. Yeah, like, he has contacts there. Like, he's influential. Like, like yeah. people are loyal to him, and that's sort of how yes. it's described as. Like, 
it's not like people are like, oh, I'm friends with Dumbledore. It's like, I'm like loyal to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about this card in terms of reversals, because this, in terms of us thinking about the Emperor as Dumbledore, I think the reversal is really much more accurate. So I have just like, you know, a generic description of the Emperor reversed, which talks about how this card reversed can suggest an overuse and abuse of authoritative power. And maybe because of deep insecurities or father issues from childhood. Uh, My God, Dumbledore's family. Right. It says, are you asserting your power and dominance in a way that leaves other feeling, feeling powerless? Power can be equally and constructively distributed. You don't need to take it from others. So, it like really is in that position it's about like it can it, it can also be about like giving away too much of your personal power but you know if we think about like what dumbledore is and like what he's doing overbearing possessive dominating authoritative like that is super accurate like demanding too much unequal partnerships like this is the way that he's using his power. And I think that that it makes sense to like really be reading him as the emperor reversed. Yeah. Bad dad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Hermione slash the Hierophant. Um, Jesse, did you have a different reading of the Hierophant? No, no. I think so. The Hierophant is like, um, a hard card to explain it's like a card of authority and like leadership in a very different way than the emperor it's about like rules like following mm-hmm. rules <laughs> but also oh. like knowledge and like sort of, like like the 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 power and the sort of authority of the heliophant being all about like the distribution of knowledge you know yeah and a lot yeah. of times a hierophant will come up for someone who like needs to go to therapy you know, mm-hmm. it's not... I think that that's, like, also, like, maybe explain, like, the archetype of the Hierophant. Like, what is the Hierophant in... Like, what is that based it's on? It's, like, an, a religious authority figure. Okay. So, like... like the Pope. Like, sort of <laughs> over... Like, knowledge... Like, the, so it's knowledge and it's rules and it's, like, about the sort of, like, religious, like, devotion in a way. Like, like religiously being controlled by an idea or like because like how Hermione reads books like and like takes them as fact right like and doesn't it it's sort of like that idea right yeah and yeah and the Hierophant really loves structure right Mm -hmm. which can Mm -hmm. be like if everything in your life is in chaos and the Hierophant comes up it's like you need to go to therapy because you need to like get that shit laid out in a way that you can actually like understand it and look at it right yeah yeah um the hierophant is another really interesting card in terms of reversals because the hierophant reversed is like the black sheep and like going your own way and like making your own path and like following your own rules Mm -hmm. and i feel like hermione is the hierophant in like on like a wibble wobble like um she really like if it was just like on a single like a rotating point like mm-hmm. Hermione's like woo, woo, back and forth in terms of like how 
she is manifesting Hierophant energy, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. she does still love really love idea. rules. And she does really, like, rely on authority, sources of authority, especially books, to, like, guide her. But then she mm-hmm. also will be like, you know what? This one's wrong and fuck it. We are too cold and I need to carry fire around because children <laughs> should not be this cold, right? Like even if the authority figures say she can't do that. So she has like a line and at that line, her Hierophant energy just like flips completely upside down. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think that happens definitely like more in the later books where you see Hermione being mm-hmm. like, fuck that rule. I'm just going to do what I, what I think is right, you know? Uh-huh. Like, definitely part of Hermione's journey yeah 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 I feel like from like book three on it just happens more and more you know where she's just it's like... so liberating to watch <laughs> to or to like experience like when I mean when Hermione um punches Draco in the face <laughs> it's yes. like one of the best like moments for me <laughs> in her in her character arc because you're just like Whoa! Yes, bitch. Like, get it. Like, fuck, fuck him up. He deserves it. You know. Right. Yep. Three years. You're like, oh yes, you should have done this. Like, probably in this book. It was just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, probably as soon as you met him, but you know, she wasn't doing the deep reversal yet. Right. She wasn't bending all the way backwards on the point. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love looking, I love the lens of tarot. This is such an interesting idea because it's like our world is archetypes and we're built on archetypes and we can, we can relate it. Like all of us like have these figures in our life and like we have a Hermione and like we have a higher, like we do have a higher fan in our life. And like, I don't know. That's just such a great way to construct. This is a great idea, Jesse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, and it's also just, like, a great way of, like, looking at, like, media. It's just, like, a basically another way yeah. of looking at, like, literature and, like, kind of, like, cultural, like, tropes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter is the fool in this first book, as is, like, Luke Skywalker in the first Star Wars, as is, like, Katniss kind of in the first <laughs> Hunger Games <laughs> book. I feel like Katniss starts at Magician. Yeah. Like, Katniss yeah, was she's... born at Magician. <laughs> Maybe a little more in book two where she's just like, what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah. Maybe that's mm-hmm. more of that energy. Anyway, but we we love archetypes and sort of, it comes up a lot. <laughs> it's cool. Um, okay, so key six is the lovers, which I feel like is really, I don't know, straightforward in this. I think it just is really like Harry finding friendships and finding that chosen family that we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. The lovers is not always about romantic relationships. It's it's just about like that kind of like really deep mutual care. I don't know, Jesse. Do you have anything deeper on that? No, I think that's that's pretty spot on. So, so the chariot. I don't think I, I don't have anything for the chariot. I feel like. All right. So when I was taking my notes for this, what I wrote for the chariot was. Oh, yes, that forward movement at any cost, no looking at anything but the goal energy. Dude is all up in that energy. <laughs> Dude is all up in that energy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, okay. Because the, the, the chariot is really, like, goal pursual, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Harry, like, will not back the fuck off. 
Like, he's like even though it. it is like a useless goal, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no reason for him to be this invested in it. But he is like on a path, and he's just like going. He's going after it. So, I guess that's where I was sort of seeing the ch- the chariot come in. Yeah, I mean, all three, Ron, Hermione, and Harry, like, going through the trap door mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, we're gonna do it, guys, all of us together. It's like, can you imagine being, like, 11 with your two friends and being like, um... Honestly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, like ran away from home when I was 11 or 12. Oh my gosh. Because I, like was mad at my parents and it just like packed up me and my little brother and oh you took your brother with you <laughs> i think i like saw a tv show where like these kids ran away and then like when their parents found them they were like we're so sorry that like you were so sad and feeling so neglected and i was like we're gonna do this and like our parents are not gonna be so shitty anymore and instead we just got grounded for six months <laughs> It's a bad. It's a bad plan. It didn't work out. No. Oh, your uh, brother got grounded too, even though it was your idea. It's kind of like Neville getting <laughs> detention, even though yeah. he was just trying to stand up for his friends. <laughs> I love you bringing it back to Harry Potter. Trying nice. so hard. Going. Uh, okay, so the chariot. Yeah. Okay, then we have strength, which I feel like is one of the places that Harry ends this book. Like, I don't think it comes up in the middle, but I think that he leaves Hogwarts in a in that place of strength, really, for the first time in his relationship with the Dursleys. Yeah. No, uh, I would agree. Because, yeah, I, I feel like he does end the book somewhere, like, in this sort of area of the major arcana. And I think strength is a really good card. Just because, like... This is also the only book where, like, he leaves, like, not emotionally battered <laughs> or or physically mm-hmm. battered. <laughs> yep. Mm, very, very true. Yeah, I feel like the only other, like, I think strength is the end point, but I do think that, like, obviously, like, the Wheel of Fortune is at play through the entire book. And then, obviously, we have, like, the Devil in the Tower and death all going on here too so we like skip a bunch basically and then sort of come back to strength and like sort of uh the Mm. wheel of fortune is sort of like you know when things are happening in the background and you're not quite like like things are happening but you're not totally aware of it yet but it's gonna affect you Mm -hmm. it's sort of the like um wheel of fortune wheel of fortune that's that's not what it's called I said Wheel what? of Fortune, and I'm like, that's not... Okay. That is what it I just... is. I think I've said it out loud. I'm like, that's a game show. Um... It is a game <laughs> show. It's a game show named okay. after a tarot Anyway, card. so, yes. So the Wheel of Fortune... But it's not like a big wheel with, like, a bunch of, like, money on it that you win. It is a big wheel, but instead of things, money that you win, it just is, like, a bunch of big scary changes that could be happening. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's, it's the um, unpredictable, right? It's unpredictability. Yeah. yeah. So, like, mm. Dumbledore and Voldemort are both spinning this wheel. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so this, and honestly, like, the... 
the Wheel of Fortune is basically just churning in the background for Harry through the entire series. He would never get a reading where this didn't come up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not just imagining like the set of Wheel of Fortune, but it's like Dumbledore and Voldemort yeah. are both only ever spinning. <laughs> and Harry's just like, I don't understand what really is happening. Can I buy a vowel? But he can't because he has no money. <laughs> yeah. And also... But like, which also... one is like Pat Sajak? <laughs> is that Vol- the like... Yeah. The host. Voldemort's on the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his forward-facing face is Dumbledore. I was going to say that the reason that it was like when Voldemort was trying to figure out like how he would manifest and come back to like do this thing that he wanted to do to steal the stone. Mm-hmm. That's how he discovered it was that he spun the Wheel of Fortune and was like, oh man, like I have to be on the back of this like guy's head. Oh my God. <laughs> like, fuck, that sucks. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> You know, it just seems like something that you would never, ever choose for yourself, but... Yeah. Your joke about, like, how bad the turban must smell is the most amazing thing <laughs> in the world. to talk about it. <laughs> like, how it's just breathing no, into the turban. No, it's like death breath. Everyone's not making me talk about this. <laughs> it's so funny. It was probably moist in there, too, just at the time. <laughs> I can't deal with it. Moisture the sun. Okay. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. I don't know actually how much like the devil really comes in here, but like the tower and death both are here pretty majorly, right, Jesse? Yeah. I actually sort of want to and I haven't, like, really totally decided, like, where sort of Snape falls into this, but I feel mm. like maybe considering that, like, I don't know, I kind of want to say that maybe, like, Snape is sort of the hermit in this, or, because I feel like he is sort of, like, what he is doing is sort of Harry's, like, driving force and obsession, like, for, like, two-thirds of the book, where he's, like, Oh, it's clearly Snape who was trying to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. And, like, a lot of him trying to, like, figure out what's going on is sort of motivated by his observation of, like, Snape's actions. And, like... How does that play into, like, hermit energy? I don't know if I'm following. That's kind of why I'm still, like... And it's just... I don't know. Just because, like, Snape is... He's just so different than, like, the rest of the other staff that, like, Harry has encountered. Like, even just outside of, like his personal hatred of, like, Harry. I don't know. I'm still trying to, like... I also potentially have him as the King of Swords or the Knight of Cups reversed. I haven't figured that out yet. I have a couple... I had a couple of things. Yeah. Interesting. Which is to say, I couldn't tell if he was, like, a big archetype or, like, a sort of smaller, like, court card. I don't feel like he's, like, super archetypey, but I also, like, sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know, what archetype is Tybalt? Because I feel like Tybalt and Snape are the same. Whatever that Wait. energy is, like, from Romeo and Juliet. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I was like... Prince of Cats. Mm-hmm. Great. Love, love, love. Because they have, like, a similar vibe. A similar, like, 
my entire point in this story is just to like be bad and like make badness happen and maybe that is the devil like maybe snape is bringing devil energy because like he is a source of fear constant fear and anxiety for harry and it's unwarranted in a lot of ways and that's what the devil is really about is like something that you feel like you can't get away from something that you feel is like making you stuck and making you suffer but like you can actually walk away from it but i guess i also sort of want to incorporate the fact that like while like here like snape is like just super atrocious to harry like he still does a lot of things that end up benefiting and and helping harry like in the end so. Which maybe maybe still maybe maybe. So I'm not saying that Snape is is the devil. I'm talking about the energy he's bringing into Harry's life, like the way he's showing up for Harry, like Hermione is showing up as a hierophant, but she isn't yeah. the hierophant. I think Snape is like providing the devil energy, even though that wouldn't be the card that represents Snape. But like for Harry, he is that source of like unwarranted, somewhat unwarranted, um, like fear and um anxiety and whatever feeling like he's definitely just a figure of like to throw us off right like in a very children's book way like having that like villain yeah so that villain character but he is like working behind the scenes to protect him ultimately and like doing Dumbledore's bidding, essentially. Yeah, I mean he's a pawn too. So. Yeah, I mean Dumbledore is also sort of a shitty uh, paternal figure to him, but also I feel like because of Snape's past, he's had two <laughs> yeah. shitty paternal figures in his life, and it's like he's keeps falling yeah. into these three if we count Voldemort. Yeah. Oh my God, Snape's Speaking two of dads are Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore and Voldemort are yeah. Snape's two dads. Like, yikes. Yeah, and once Voldemort's back, he's, like, dealing with both. It's, like, his divorced dads that are, like, doing, being Ugh. divorced really wrong. Constantly, like, your father. <laughs> are you on my side or his right. side? <laughs> <sighs> oh my god. Wow. You just garnered, like, an ounce of sympathy for Snape from me, so excellent work. Yes! (laughs) I can't wait to talk about Snape's two dads in, like, the later books. Just how I'm gonna Yeah. Snape's two dads. What a... Oh, yeah. It's a hard hard life. Yeah, there's a lot of parent issues happening in in these books with almost everyone. Maybe not Ron, but, but, like, I think... Dude, I have a lot to say about the fucking Weasley. That household. is fair. That is fair. I guess. I guess <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna keep it in. We've been talking for a long time. Yeah, keep it inside. Oh, yeah. So, the tower. The tower comes after death, but I feel like in this, in Harry's like trajectory in this book, it comes first. So the tower is just like upheaval. So, like, it's a very scary-looking card in every deck, but it literally can come up for, like, you're gonna have a baby. It just means, like, everything is about to change. So, Mm -hmm. like... But it can be, like, awful. Like, it can 
definitely mean terrible things, but it also Mm. doesn't always. Just like the death card, right? The death card usually doesn't mean something. It can mean something very, very hard, but it's not usually Mm -hmm. something like... The tower is a very, like, fast, like, abrupt change. So, like, even though you're pregnant for nine months, right... Mm-hmm. The difference between being pregnant and having an infant is enormous. And that happens mm-hmm. in one moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, everything with a tower is very, like, boom. Whereas death is often, like, a slower change. The death card is, like, the card that was in my, like, year tarot spread for the month when I, like, decided to start taking testosterone. So it was, mm-hmm. like my whole year was leading me up to that point. And it like is a card about like metamorphosis in a lot of ways. It's like an ending and a new beginning and they're always Mm. together. So that's, yeah, like the big difference between those. So like Harry goes through the tower, right? Like, oh fuck. Like Quirrell has, or you know, quote unquote Snape has the thing. Like we have to go like, all this stuff and like this fight and whatever but then like the death part of it actually comes after like when he's recovering and like he's learned all these things about himself and like he's never gonna be the same and i feel i feel like the book really plays down harry having murdered quirrell so i feel like maybe the like more sort of where i feel like a lot of that like death energy actually is is sort of harry learning these like minute details of like why Voldemort wants to kill him like it's not it's not Mm -hmm. even like oh this dude was a like ridiculous fascist and was murdering a bunch of people it's like something about Harry is like means that like you know Voldemort was specifically targeting him and his family and like Mm -hmm. I think just sort of having to like him like coming to terms with like that sort of shift in like his thinking about who he is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like that like, that sort of informs, like, Harry, like, for the rest of the series and, like, the rest of his life, really. Yeah, and I think in the way that, like, the death card is sort of, like, slow, like, Harry really is, like, going through this metamorphosis from the time that Hagrid comes to get him because, like, what he's going through this whole year is, like, learning who he is, like, learning his past and, like, his identity for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And he sort of gets, like, these, like, crucial pieces from Voldemort and a little bit from Dumbledore at the end that sort of allow him to step into that place of of strength and, like, go home to the Dursleys being like, I'm gonna be okay because he's, like, found a sense of identity that he's never had before in his life. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there anything else that we should touch on? What about, maybe you guys did this in episode 10, but about the whole, like, idea of, like, how his mother's love, like, manifests in that moment where he, like, kills a teacher. (laughs) But, like, you know, that that moment where, like, that's a protection over him. Like, his mother exists in book one as, like, this force that, like, ultimately ends the battle or whatever and that's like the, the big thing that he's going through we actually didn't talk about that at all in episode 10 oddly yeah that is except for like how upsetting it probably was for harry to learn that and then have no one offer him any support <laughs> what 
Learn what? That, like, his mom died for him. Oh, yeah. And then, like, have no one be there for him post him learning about it. Like, he cries and Dumbledore just looks pointedly out the window and waits for him to stop crying. Um, So I believe our only commentary on that was, will someone please offer this child some fucking support? (laughs) (laughs) Neville needs to pass off the basket of kittens right now, just for a moment. Yeah, no, that's Um, interesting. How is Lily showing up in this? I don't know. I feel like, I guess I would say maybe like some some cups energy that sacrifice though like is definitely archetypical i feel like it is probably also like empress energy but like obviously she can't actually like show up as the empress maybe it's like because she's not like maybe it's high priestess energy that also feels correct because that's right that's more like up here um, like it's like I'm gesturing above my head, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's more like it's more like mysterious and like harder to quantify. Is sort of like high, like high high priestess energy, uh, and I just feel like yeah. I feel like that's sort of I feel that's sort of a lot of like what Lily's vibe is for like a lot of the series is this sort of just like mysterious intangible yet really important protection and connection that she has with with harry in a lot of ways it's like what people feel like when they pray i think or like that like connection with like the universe or like whatever your god is right like that's how she is showing up in his life as this like intangible but like very present for him force like like she is still like her love for him like still like literally like lives on and protects him even after her death right well like how everybody always says that he has his mother's eyes like he's his little literal lens of the world and like the way that he is like like, the the place he's looking through is like like through his mother's eyes like your english professor just underlined and like five exclamation marked (laughs) Excellent I know, work. I'm like nodding my head, I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. Like, yeah. Did, you know? Um, like his literal lens. <laughs> yeah. It's like the literally soul. the eyes are his mom's <laughs> no, eyes, that's great. dude. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, of course, Snape, not sorry to bring up Snape, I don't want to trigger you, Lark, but <laughs> like he like can sense that. Like she isn't there, right? She's like this but she is a presence like she like just like lives on like she's her whole life ended and like Harry's life was just like beginning and like so she's just like this yeah she's like a cloak she's like this this present force around him and like shows up when he needs it most mm-hmm. so that's cool well said yeah <laughs> yeah great Lily 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 <laughs> Lily is so mommy you know yeah Ugh. She was still a baby when she, like, performed this, like, ultimate mom sacrifice. Totally. 21 fucking years old, like... Wait, really? Yikes. The the movies, like, really, like, since they're always portrayed by older actors, and especially, like, Snape and, like, Sirius, but, like, they're super young. And, like, Snape's in his, like, early 30s. Like, 32. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And, like, like, his parents died, like, when they were, like, in their early 20s. Yeah. 
Fuck, man. Yeah, for whatever reason, they graduated. Like, oh, there's literally a war going on. I guess it's time to have some babies. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, have sex when you feel anxiety. Like, then you I... make babies, I okay, guess. Okay, I'm really glad this is happening because I missed the opportunity the first time we talked about it. But there's this punk band where I grew up uh, that had a song called Make Babies or Die Trying. <laughs> It's a shame. That is, like, the song <laughs> for this moment. It is. <laughs> That's, like, what Lily and James were listening to every day. Uh-huh. You know? It's like, the world's falling apart. Let's just, like, make a baby. Yep. And then die. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, I saw an internet meme that relates to this, where someone was like, Harry and uh, Neville were both born at the end of July, which means that Sirius had, like, one hell of a Christmas party, like, the year before. Like that's probably also <laughs> a legit explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's very know? funny. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Did we, we did, did it? Does everyone feel completed? Jesse needs so cool. to eat. Jesse. Jesse's not hangry, but like, just like guys, very politely, like guys, can we wrap this up because. My stomach is eating itself. Nope, not even that. Literally Just, every I... time we record, we're like, it'll be fine. We're going to start at, what do we start at, it's... five your time, yeah. Jesse? And yeah. now it's like almost nine. <laughs> Yikes, Jesse, go eat. That's fucked up. We add an, an additional person and just exponentially more time. All right. Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet Sarah, you should tell the people where they can find you. Um, my Instagram handle is sarwarrior, and that's because my last name is sarwar. So, um, and www.autostraddle.com and store.autostraddle.com. Buy my t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I endorse this message. I wear your cool. t-shirts. You can find The Gaily Prophet on the internet at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are also at thegailyprophet.com, where you can see all of the comics every week that Theo Julian Forrester, our cartoonist, makes inspired that are inspired by the episode. That sentence was structured very strangely. Uh, you can find us at Patreon, where probably big chunks of this episode will have ended up. And that's patreon.com slash the Gaily Prophet. Oh, Jesse, where can the people find you? Uh, in between episodes, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at Live from Detroit. Your uh, Twitter, like your name name on Twitter is like Big Sagittarius Energy. Is that accurate? Yes. Because the Sag symbol looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, so, so good. It's just the symbol. That's amazing. Uh-huh, it's really for, for a while, it was big donut emoji energy, which is also relevant. <laughs> That's also really good. Yes. Oh, God. So clearly you should follow Jesse. <laughs> I'm doing it right yeah. now. You can find me in between episodes at my website, which is larkmalachi.com, which is a place that you can book a tarot reading with me if you would like one. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi. It's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I or on Instagram at Radical Healer. Our spoiler warning <laughs> was made possible by Lark 
asking me to record it. Asking is such a kind word. Because he was so tired of making different recordings for different parts of the podcast. (laughs) And I was over for tea, and that's how it happened. Yep. I had, like, something really poor made. It was not good. And I was like, can this please be fine? And Sarah was like, absolutely not. And I was like, well, then here's a fucking microphone. (laughs) Fix it. (laughs) That's that's how it happened. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Oh, and just speaking of, everybody get excited because at the start of every season, we're going to use the extended spoiler warning, which is... Every time I listen to it, I just start laughing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> I just get so mad if nobody's read the books. Even in my like normal day-to-day life, I'm like, this is impossible and rude. It's a rude it's thing rude. to not have read How the books. How can they hurt yet. you like that? <laughs> How could you I hurt like, me this I way? feel like I try to be generous with people about having not read the books, but I'm always just like, or you could just read them. <laughs> right. Here's a fun idea. Read some really great books. Like, just take some time to read these fucking books that have permeated our culture in such dramatic ways. Like, do it. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Yeah, it's definitely better than reading about, I don't know, sad dudes who have, like, a midlife crisis or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, our theme song music is by Kevin McLeod, and our logo was created by Theo Julian Forrester, and you can find him on Instagram at Theo Julian Forrester. Yeah. Until next time. Hey,